everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Hey, I'm Tony Randazzo. I'm part of the leadership team today, and I'm going to share with you some scripture that's going to challenge us. We're going to go to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and then jump to 14 through 17. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. You, however, Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tony. So we're in a series um, that we call Core Visions, and the sort of the sub uh, idea of that is that there's some things that we need to make some revisions. Um, by the way, the, the most prettiest, amazing TV mover that we've had or ever will have. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's my wife, by the way. That's my wife, Katie. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> We have to make some revisions in our life that are necessary in order for us to be the church. And the idea of this is just sort of taking from um, what we are, how we identify ourselves in this community, uh, the church, Market Street Church. And the idea has always been, always been that we uh, are on mission and that mission needs to not just be, to stay in this room, uh, but the mission needs to be taken to the market. Where, where we, many of us, do life, where we work, where we play, where we grow, where we, you know, interact relationally with people, that, that there's a mission, we're on mission, and that, that from the seats, they need to go to the streets, and, and it's that, that sense of that the church is not a building, it's, it's not a location in, on 309 Market Street, uh, that the church is us, it's a people. It's a people. And so there's some revisions and there's some things that are core to us. There's some values that are core to us or need to be core to us. Tonight's a, a big night. Uh, tonight is, uh, happens uh, once a year. Uh, it's a night where I put on my pink socks. I put on my pink socks. And tonight is a, a homecoming for
for a football team in our area called the Commerce Chargers. Anybody familiar with the Commerce Chargers football team? My, this is the last year that I'll be doing this. This is a, a, a big deal uh, in our household. This is an important moment uh, for me uh, as a father that I will be cheerleading with my daughter, Hannah, tonight at the Commerce Chargers. That's right. That's right. We had a practice. It's at Wald Lake Central High School. That's too much information, too much information. We had, I have, I had retained, I retained zero cheers. I retained, we had one practice uh, this week in the gymnasium at Wald Lake Central High School. They literally went through 38 different cheers one time through, and I'm expected to remember the routines for 38 different cheers. I will be cheering in the first half of that game along with my amazing daughter, Hannah, uh, on this night. And and I, you'll, you already know this. I mean, they have been working hard. The cheerleaders have been working hard. Hannah, my daughter Hannah's been doing this for years. Uh, man, she's got every, all 38 cheers down to a T. She knows exactly the cues and the claps and the arm raises that have to happen at any given time, right? Right? There's lightning. There's thunder. I, I'm already doing it wrong. I'm already doing it wrong. I'm already, I'm mixing up different cheers all, and it's just a, 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 a form, it's a form of cheerleading is what I'll be doing tonight. And you, if you show up, which I don't recommend that you do, <laughs> if you show up, uh, it, there will be a form of cheerleading that will happen with a parent uh, and their child out on the uh, football field. And it won't be actually cheerleading, but there will be a form of cheerleading that will be happening for me. The scripture is, is that it teaches us that we have to be always aware of or mindful of. And it was a scripture that, that Tony just read, but it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such people as these. The challenge for us is that we all have a tendency to hold a form of godliness. It's, we all have a tendency to, to try to play the part, even though it, you know, when it comes to the economy of God, that we're just like me tonight, trying to just work through or, or look at and watch for the different cues of when I'm supposed to raise my hand, when I'm supposed to clap, and what's supposed to be cheered out of my mouth as I'm trying to fire up the crowd, right? All of us have a tendency to have a form of godliness, but not a true godliness. What the cheerleaders will have is they'll have a true sense of what it looks like to be a cheerleader. And what many of us Jesus followers have is only a form of godliness, but not actual godliness. It's easy for us to get religious, isn't it? It's easy for us to play a religious part, to know, <clears throat> know the language, to know the game, to know what to say, when to say it at some particular time, but it's only a form of godliness. And the issue is, is that when 
We deny its power. So uh, another example of this is, um, you know, we're, we're coming up to trunk or treat, right? Um, and, and, and kids, children are, are going to show up and, and they're going to be in their costumes, right? And, and you remember this with, with your kids. You know, my kids, they love the, the superhero costumes. You know, we're, we're buying lots of superhero costumes over the years. And m- when my kids, they would put on that, that Spider-Man costume or they would put on that, you know, or, or maybe for your kid, they would put on that Superman costume. They would believe that they were Spider-Man, right? They would believe that they were Superman. And oftentimes we put on this religious costume and we're belie- we believe, or at least we want people to believe that we're godly, but really we're not. And, the, and, and, and you can put on a Superman costume, but it doesn't mean that you can actually have the power to fly. You can be Spider-Man. You can say, I'm Spider-Man, but you're not actually climbing up the walls. Are you with me? It's easy for us to pretend. It's easy for us to dress up and put on our suit. But without the power, without the working of God in our life, we're just being a character. And we're being out of character when it comes to our integrity. And when it comes to being like Jesus, when it comes to being godly. For Peter, he says it this way, all of us for his divine power, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to look to life and to godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory excellence. In other words, he says, those that know Jesus, you've been placed in you this, this power, this divine power, and it's been granted to you to, for, for everything pertaining to life and godliness. That you have been given this, this power. And, and, and that is already built inside of you. It's already built inside of you. That you and I already have in us the ability to not try to live in a form of godliness, but to actually truly be godly. That it's already in you. It's already in you. It's like somebody that wants to get stronger. You already have the muscles in you. You, you, you say, I, I, don't, you know, I, don't, I can't have you know, that, those kind of biceps or I can't have you know, that kind of six pack. Like you have the six pack in you. The muscles are there. Whether they're seen or not, that's up to us, right? But they're already available to us and the power is already available to us and it's been granted us to do for everything pertaining to this life and everything pertaining to being godly with the true knowledge not some sort of false narrative of what godliness looks like but to the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence as a matter of fact if paul had a mission statement this was this is mission, paul's mission statement what he's paul is about and it's found in in titus chapter number 1 and verse 1 it says paul as he's introducing himself or or not even introducing him but saying you know clarifying himself to titus he's saying paul a bond servant of god and an apostle of jesus christ for the faith of those chosen of god and the knowledge of the truth which is according to godliness 
Like this is Paul's saying, like this is what I'm about, all right? I'm a bond servant of God. I'm an apostle of Jesus. And, and, and for some reason, God chose me to come out of darkness and into his light. And, and now I have a true knowledge of the reality that I can have a relationship with Jesus regardless of my past, regardless of what I've done, regardless of where I've come from, that I can have a, a knowledge of Jesus that is true and real. And he's brought me into his fold. He's brought me into his family. Family in order for me not to stay where I'm at, but to be a godly person. And God's ambition for you is not for you and I to stay where I'm at, but to be godly. And the temptation for us is not to be willing to put in the work to develop those muscles of godliness that are already in us. And to just take the easy route and just to hold to a form of godliness. And Paul says, those kind of people, don't even hang out with them. Because all they're going to do is they're going to just pull you into their way of religion and godliness. You move towards a place where you have true godliness, true godliness that is real, that is evident in our life. So Paul gives us a couple examples, okay? Paul is writing to Timothy in his first letter to Timothy. He says, Timothy, here's what this looks like. For bodily training is just slightly beneficial. Now, for, let's pause here for a second. There's a lot of benefits for bodily training, isn't there? Like there's tremendous, I mean, what we know today in the age of information, like just being healthy helps us not only physically, but it helps us emotionally, doesn't it? I mean, what we found and what have been discovered and what people have realized, I mean, it just, man, if we can just get ourselves physically healthier, it's going to really minimize a lot of the things that were ailing us before we were in a healthy position. I mean, this is, we know, and, and so Paul, he, Paul knew that too. He knew that too. And, he, and Paul's going, listen, listen. When you think about bodily training, it's slightly beneficial. But look what he says. But godliness is beneficial for all things. It is beneficial for all things. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That Paul is going, listen, listen. You, can, you work out and you do that. Like you get fit and you do that. You shred and that's great. But when it comes to comparing that to godliness, it's like you're saying it's just slightly beneficial. Even though we are smart enough to know that how beneficial physical training is, but Paul's going, yeah, it is. But I'm telling you, your training when it comes to godliness is beneficial for all the areas in your life. And not only does it, is it beneficial for this present life, but it's beneficial for a life to come in eternity. Here's the truth. Here's the reality. 
True godliness is a training for eternal life. You already know this. This life is really short. This life is going to fly by. And many of you in this room already know that. But the purpose of this life is for you to say, my training, my preparation, and my efforts to build that muscle, the muscle of godliness in my life, is not only for the benefits of this life, because they pertain to all things, not only in this life, but the role and the position that you're gonna have in eternity. Listen, brothers and sisters, you're gonna have a position in eternity. You're gonna be entrusted with some things. And based on, and you know how it works in this life, based on you know, your work ethic and based on your dedication and based on the fact that you, you know, want to be successful and you want to do things right and you want to be best at your job. Why? In order for you to be able to climb up those ranks, right? All that's, this is reality of this life. He's saying, listen, when it comes to eternal life, when it comes to the life to come, the where you'll be positioned and what you'll be responsible for will be based on the training of godliness that happens right now. Now, if you know Jesus and you receive his grace, you're going to heaven and that's a good place to be. You're gonna be on a, in a new heaven and you're gonna be on a new earth. But I got news for you. We're not just gonna be people floating around on clouds playing the harp. You're, you're going to have a job. You're going to work. Listen, work isn't a result of sin. Work happened. This is for all of us. Work happened before the fall of man. You're like, ah, oh, man, work is just, it's just work, you know. Work is, a, is an opportunity. And I'm getting off a little bit. But work is an opportunity for you to be who God created you to be, and that is to create in your job, to be creative in your job. That's what we do. That's what we naturally do. We create. And so we create and we cultivate. We create and we cultivate. This is what we do. We do this with our, with our ch children. You came together and you created this child, created by God, but you created this child that sort of resembles you and your spouse. Then now what is your job? Your job is to cultivate that. You have a job that you have an opportunity to create and cultivate, create and cultivate. Work is not a result of sin. Work is what God has called us to do. And we need a little work. You need to work. If you want to lose weight, you got to work. Did I tell you I'm a runner? No, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm like, I feel like I talk about this too much. But it takes work. You know this. It takes work to get the results that you want. And if you want to have true godliness and not some sort of form of godliness, it's going to take work. 
it's going to take work. And many of us, many of us, need to start thinking about our souls more than our physical bodies. Many of us need to start thinking about not what is unhealthy or this or that. Listen, all that is important. I'm not downplaying that at all. It is slightly beneficial, but it's beneficial. You hear me? So don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. It's important what we do with this, this temple of ours. It's, it's, it matters. But when it comes to spiritual godliness, in comparison, it's just slightly beneficial. But godliness is not only in this present life, but it's what we do in the afterlife, in eternal life. So godliness, number one, godliness is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, right? If you want to sustain, again, just going off of the analogies of Paul, the metaphors of Paul, Paul's like, if you want to keep the weight off, if you want to build the, the muscle, it's a lifestyle, right? It's not a fad. There's a lots of fads out there. It's, there's a lot of trends out there. This works. You should try this. This should try this. And it's just a, a cycle of, of trends and fads. But here's, here's what you already know. That it has to be a lifestyle change. It has to be a lifestyle change. It has to be not what you do or how you schedule it in, but, but who you are, who you are. The Christians, the early Christians, they didn't even fathom, they couldn't even fathom in, in their minds the idea of scheduling in time for God. You with me? Like, it wasn't like we go to soccer practice at this time, and we go to basketball practice at this time, and, we, and I work during this time, and, and you know, at this time I you know, you know, you know, do this, I go shopping over here, and, and we have these schedules that we follow, and all of us follow these schedules, and then, and then we say, but on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'm going to be in the room, or I'm going to be watching from home online church, and it's something that we schedule in, and we think that that's what makes God happy? But all the other times in our schedules, God is never a thought. Our relationship with, with God is never a thought until we get to that schedule of time where we allocate for God. That's not gonna work. You know what that is? It's a form of godliness. They never thought, they never thought, Jesus is a part of my life. Anybody ever say that before? Jesus is a part of my life. Here's what they wrote. Jesus is my life. He's not a part of my life. He's not scheduled into my life. Jesus is a part of my life. And that means every single day and every single moment, his presence is real with you. Not just, not only on a Sunday morning, but his presence is with you all the time in all things. In all things. So godliness shouldn't just happen in church on a Sunday morning, but godliness happens at work. 
Godliness happens with your finances. Godliness happens in your marriage. Godliness happens in your parenting or your grandparenting. Godliness happens at the, at the, at the mall or in, in a drive-through line or, you know, or wherever it is that you do life. You, are you with me? Godliness happens out on a, on a competitive sports field. And that's a hard for me. As a pastor in a basketball league, this is true. As a pastor in a basketball league, I've been ejected from basketball games. I have. I know you should be so disappointed in me. It was a long time ago. I've come a long ways. But I need to be just as godly in a grocery store, in a drive-thru, with the finances, with my kids, as I am right now. I said this, living in the light of his presence puts you on the road to true godliness. Living in the light of his presence, knowing that he's with you when you go to the store. He's with you at home when you're by yourself. He's with you, he's with you. And, and, we, and we know this is true practically because let me give you an example of this. When you're driving down the road, just imagine yourself, you're kind of in a hurry, right? You're in a hurry, you gotta get there, you gotta get from one thing to another, one thing to another. When you see a police car driving with you, it doesn't matter how much of a hurry you're in. Chances are you're not getting past that police car. If that police car is in your, driving along with you in, in, in your presence, you're not gonna accelerate beyond the speed limit in order for you to get to where you need to go. Why? Because the presence of the police car keeps us in line, doesn't it? Maybe I've had too many tickets over the years to where it just makes me nervous every time I see a police car driving on the road. But the chances are, you're gonna be, the presence of that police car, you're gonna be aware of and you're gonna fall in line to the laws and you're not gonna break the law. This is the reality when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. He's always with you. He's always with you. He's not just in this room right now. He's also with you when you leave, when you go to a restaurant, wherever it is that life takes you, he's with you always. And we need to have that kind of awareness. Godliness is not scheduled Godliness is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And you can do it. You can do it. Because it's already in you to do it. It's already in you to do it. It's going to take work. But just like anything beneficial and profitable, it's going to take work but you can do it. So let's not be people that just put on the costume, put on the facade. 
say the super spiritual words and have the prayers that blow everybody's mind and memorize all the scripture. All that stuff is good and fine, but let it be out of the overflow of your heart and not because you're trying to put on a front and to make somebody think that you're more godly than you are. And it's okay to say, I'm just not where I want to be. That's okay. Did you know that it's okay not to be okay around here? It's okay. It's okay to say, I haven't arrived. I haven't gotten there. I'm working on it and I'm praying that God does. And I know that in me, I know that in me, I have the ability to be godly. And I'm just gonna trust in that power. I'm gonna rely on that power and not some other form of godliness. Because godliness is a fight. Godliness is a fight. And it's something that we have, to, we have to do. It's something that we have to strive for. That we have to fight against it. And so when it comes to that, when it comes to godliness, we need to say, hey, listen, I'm willing to, I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to fight for it. I'm willing to fight for it. Here's what, uh, Neva, can you throw me up that verse up there? God, godliness is a fight. And then Titus 2, thank you. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Here's what it tells us in verse 12 instructing us to deny ungodliness, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously in, in a godly manner in this present age. We have to fight off ungodliness. We have to, in other tr- versions, it says to say no, to say no, to say there is a, we're in a, we're in a fight, we're in a battle, we're in a war, there's a spiritual war that, that's happening for your soul. The enemy wants to steal, kill, destroy. He wants to rob you of your joy and your peace. He wants to snuff out the light of, to the world. He wants to clean away the ability that you and I have by the power of God to be the salt of the earth. And then sometimes... We're going to have to go no to ungodliness and to worldly desires. And boy, is the world packaged so sweet. You know what I wish we could do? I wish that every single day for every single meal that I could go and hang out at a donut shop. Like, I wish I could just go to a donut shop, wherever you, you think of your favorite donut shop, and just be able to pick all the different assortments of donuts that you can eat, right? How amazing would that be? Like, every meal, every time, every, all you're doing is just consuming the sweet donuts. But here's what you already know, I can't. I can't. Even though it tastes so good, why is it so bad for me? And that's the world. That's the world. The world's gonna go, look how good this is. Look at the assortments that you can have and you can partake from. And you can come here every single meal if you want. But here's what you already know. I can't. Because that's not healthy for me. There's no nutritional value there for me. And if we want godliness, we're gonna have to fight the urge. 
We're going to have to fight the urges to want to do the sweet thing of gossip or the sweet thing of jealousy or the sweet thing of holding grudges and not forgiving or the sweet things of lashing out in anger instead of being kind or the sweet thing of being greedy with our money instead of being generous with it. Are you with me? And when those urges rise up and we, we want to gossip, and those urges rise up and we want to be jealous, and those urges rise up and we don't want to forgive, and those urges rise up and we just want to lash out at somebody and get angry at somebody, we, by the grace of God, the grace of God says, say no! Say no. You deny that ungodliness. You deny those worldly desires. And you and I live sensibly, righteously, in a godly manner in this present age. Where everybody else wants to gossip, you don't. Where everybody else wants to not forgive, you forgive. When everybody else wants to be greedy, you be generous. It's what we are called to do. And it's a fight to fight and the urges are real and the desires are real and it's actually the way that we're made we're bent to that and if we're not careful we're going to hold to a form of godliness and we're going to deny the power of God what's the power of God? the power of God is to forgive the power of God is to be kind and gracious the power of God is to be generous when we're tempted to be greedy. Last idea is this, what we see in scripture. Godliness with contentment are great gain. Godliness with contentment are great gain. You say, where do you get that from? Paul's letter to Timothy. Here's what he says. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Contentment. He goes on to say this, verse seven, for we have brought nothing into the world. You know that? You know that. So we cannot take anything out of it either. And he says in verse eight, he says, for if we have food and covering with these, we shall be We live in a world. You, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir. We live in a world that says, you need more. You deserve more. It's what's marketed to us. It's what we listen to. It's what we watch. It's what we see in all of our television shows, in all of our movies. They're enticing you and I to say, yeah, I do need more. I do deserve more. I do deserve better. And we get discontented in our hearts. And we lose the sense that, God, you supply. And God, I brought nothing into this world. And anything that I have now, God, is only 
from you. I didn't do anything for that. You provided that. I didn't earn that. You made that happen. God, I didn't achieve that or accomplish that. You did all of that for me and I brought nothing into this world and I can take nothing out either. And God, if you give me food, if you give me covering, I'm gonna be content. And when we can marry godliness and contentment together, now we've got something. Now we've got something. And then he goes on to say this. He says, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. And we've, we've heard countless stories of this. He says in verse 10, for the love of money, not money, the love of money. The love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. With many griefs. So Paul's going, hey, you wanna have, you wanna have some profit margin? You wanna have some profit margin? You wanna experience great gain in your life? It's not for you loving money. It's not from you loving money. You'll never get great gain. As a matter of fact, you'll only experience many griefs. If we think money is the solution, money is the answer to our contentment, you're wrong. You're wrong. The only solution to your discontentment is godliness. It's godliness. That's it. That's it. And if we think that it's something that the world can give us, made a huge, huge mistake. Huge mistake. So Paul gives Timothy some instructions. And here's some instructions for us. Are you ready? Verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. But on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And then he tells them this, verse 18. Instruct them to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. He says, listen, you want godliness? It's to look at what you have as a gift from God. It's to look at what you have as a gift from God and say, I want to be, I want to be generous and I want to share that. And, and as, as my wealth in this life and God's grace on me in this life and as I've been ex- experiencing God's goodness and kindness and blessings in this life, listen, if you're rich, awesome. That's amazing. Just be generous. Just be generous. And when you have God's material favor, and this is not what Paul is talking about. God's, he's talking about spiritual favor, that God wants to be, do spiritual blessings in your life, not material blessings in your, in your life. We must deny the ungodliness of prosperity gospel. This is not prosperity gospel. This is you are rich, you have a wealth, be generous. We live in America. We live in America. 
if you have a home, if you have food in your pantry and a covering over your head in this country, you're rich. You're rich. I know, I know your story. I get it and I sympathize with it and I'm, I, I, my heart breaks for you. But listen, if you're a home, if you have a home and you have covering and you have food, you're rich in the standards of this world. You're rich. So he says, instruct those who are rich to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and to share. And what will happen? What will happen? You're gonna, verse 19, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And so Paul's telling Timothy to tell his church and he's telling Market Street Church, be godly. Not a form of godliness, be godly. And being godly is being content with what you have. And if you are rich, do good. And be rich in good works and generosity. If you are rich in money, you should even be richer in service, is what he's saying. If you are rich in money, you should be even richer in your dedication and your service to people around you. This, is, this needs to be our direction that we go. And the reality is, the reality is, the temptation is that the more we have, the more we hoard. The more we get, the more we store up in this life. Don't you remember? You can't take anything with you. And you know what Jesus called the man who decided that he was going to build a bigger barn? Jesus called the man, not, not Pastor Chris, Jesus called the man who said, I want to just build a bigger barn with what I have. He said, he is a fool. He's a fool. You can't take it with you. Godliness is a lifestyle, people. Godliness is a fight. And godliness married with contentment, you're going to have great gain. Great gain. And you're going to be rich. Not with wealth. And if you are, sweet. It's awesome. Have wealth. As a matter of fact, if I could pick who gets to come to this church, I would lean towards people that are billionaires. But I don't pick. And God builds, puts this family together. And God's going, listen, whatever you got, you just be generous with it. And if you can't be financially generous, just be generous with your time. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your service. If, if God's building something in your life and doing something in your life and you're rich with, with money and rich with time, you should even be richer with service. Let's not forget 2 Timothy. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Anybody feel that? Anybody feel that? Anybody, anybody does this sound familiar? Verse two, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Does this sound familiar? 
Verse three, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good. Verse four, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness. Although they have denied its power, avoid such people as these. And then he tells Timothy in his first letter, we put these together. He says, verse Timothy 6, but flee from these things. Flee from these things. Flee from these things, you man of God. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then he tells them this, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and for which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight. It's a lifestyle. Fight for godliness. Say no to worldly desires. And to let your life be married with contentment. And if God blesses your life materially, you bless others in your service, in your good works, in your generosity. That's true godliness. It's what we need to be. It's our core values, our core values. We're not a religion. This is not a religion. This is a relationship with God and the power of God is in you to be godly. And when you and I are, great gain. Great gain, great gain. Let's pray. Father, so many issues here that we, that challenge our natural bend in this world, in this present age. So many things that are before us in our faces that we hear and see even subconsciously that we make as a priority and we're easily manipulated and easily can slip into and fade into or fall into a form of godliness, but it's just a form. It's not the real deal. So Father, I pray that all of us, all of us, all of us want the real deal of godliness. And it's gotta be a lifestyle. It's gonna be a fight the good fight of faith and it's packaged with a heart and a mindset of contentment that whatever we get whatever you give we're just going to be content and satisfied and when we do that you do so much more for us spiritually than we can even think or imagine we thank you that you're a God who is never leaves us nor forsakes us. You never desert us. You're always faithful to what we need. Not what we want, but what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Let's be godly, huh?